So we are in our series called the B-I-B-L-E, and I thought it would be appropriate to bring my own B-I-B-L-E up to the platform today. This is my Bible. This is the Bible that I read um, every day. Uh, it's in a box that I have taped up because it has seen better days. But in this box are the Bible that I read, but other things as well. There is um, a pencil for taking notes and underlining. There is my Bible reading plan so I know where I'm at, so I can get through the Bible in one year. There is uh, a picture of my wife, keeps me nice and honest. My kids, um, some other things. Oh, a little cartoon my kids drew when they were listening to this, my, listening to me preach, I think, and they were drawing cartoons, and so I kept that. Um, there's a, a note of encouragement here, um, and some, a couple of other things, but these are all things that are important to me and, and remind me as I spend time in the Word um, why God is bringing me to that every single day. And so we're talking about today um, Bible memorization, uh, the discipline of Bible memorization. Now, whenever we have baptisms like this, I'm always so privileged to be part of it. And I just, like, I don't even want to say anything after the baptism and the testimonies are done because I feel like Jesus has just been exalted. He's been um, made known. And we can just all, you know, just bask in the glory of Christ in the way he transforms lives. And so I don't really ever want to say too much after baptisms, but we are going through this series, and I want um, to bring to mind to you and, and, and something that I've thought about this past week. Um, baptisms always remind me of my own baptism and my own encounter with Jesus. In the summer of 1991, I was at a, a, a camp, a youth retreat, which was a camping retreat, and at this retreat is when I first encountered Jesus in a real and tangible way. Um, I was met with my sin, and I was also met by the grace of Jesus for me and the forgiveness of my sin. And in that moment where my life was changed, my first reaction and my first response was, I need to get baptized. Because I grew up in a Baptist church, and we take baptism very seriously in the Baptist church as per the name. Uh, and so uh, when growing up, it was almost a rite of passage. You know, you would see these kids from older grades, they would get baptized, and you would look up to them and say, wow, look at that step of faith they're taking. That's amazing. I want to do that one day. And so when I had this encounter with Christ, the first thing I wanted to do was immediately was to get baptized. But they wouldn't let me get baptized immediately because at a Baptist church, before I could get baptized, I had to take a 10-week course, and I had to have an interview with a panel of elders, four of them. And so I'm telling you, Baptists, they take baptism very seriously. But I said, look, I know God wants me to be get baptized. This is his word. This is what he wants for me. And if this is what the church wants is for me to take this 10-week course uh, and then sit with the elders for an interview, then I'm going to do that because that's God's authority over me, right? Okay. I remember the, the interview. Man, I, I don't think my memory of it is correct because I remember it being very dark in the room. And I remember, like, these four elders were sitting behind this, like, long table, and they were all, like, frowning at me. Like, we're going to take you down, Kevin. <laughs> so I don't think that's exactly how it happened. 
But I do remember that I was, I was sitting there, and I, they began to ask me questions and began to relate my, my love for Christ, my uh, recognition of my own sinfulness and my need for a Savior. I feel like the light was beginning to shine in the room, uh, and, and a weight was being lifted. And then finally, I see smiles on their faces, and they look at me, and they say, Kevin, we are going to recommend you for baptism. And then in that moment, the, 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 the taps just began to open. I was just weeping out of joy for for, for what I was about to experience. Part of the 10-week course that I had to take leading up to that interview um, was to memorize five scripture verses. Five scripture verses, which is two and a half times the number of scripture verses that I had already committed to memory. The first being John 3.16, which is, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. That's John 3.16. The other one I knew was John chapter 11, verse 35. Uh, any of you familiar with that one? Jesus wept. That was the other one that I memorized, that I commit to memory. It took me a long time. It was hard work. But Jesus wept, John 11.35, filed that one away. So I had to memorize these five scriptures um, in order to uh, be part of that uh, preparation for baptism. Now, I didn't appreciate it then, but I appreciate it now. Because I'm, gonna, I'm not going to mince words with you, okay? Being a follower of Jesus Christ, being a Christian, Bible memorization is indispensable. It's not a negotiation. It's not something you can say, oh, I should, oh, maybe I should. I would love to, but I don't have the time. I don't have the capacity. I don't have the brain space. No. If you are serious about your, your faith, then you will memorize scripture. Because when you do that, the truth of God's word takes root in your heart. And it, it forms and it shapes your mind in a way that no other thing can. When you commit these words to memory, it gives you this unfettered access to the truth of God's promises to you, the inspired word of God. So when I read the Bible, and this is something that was inculcated in me when I prepared for my baptism, when I read the Bible now, I often have like a cue card or something, uh, an index card. Um, I actually take to using old postcards. Sometimes we'll print postcards here. We don't give them all out, and there's like a blank space in the back, and so I'll reuse those. So I've got, I've got Christmas cards from Bayview 2010, I think, that I still use for, for this purpose. But I'll write out the, the verse, and I'll write out the passage that speaks to me. And then sometimes I'll take them, and I'll commit them to memory. And when I do, this is the process I use. I will just read it over again about three or four times aloud to myself. And then I'll t parse it down to phrases and to words. And I'll repeat them. Let's say, for instance, um, John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. It's a mouthful, and there's a lot of repetition in there, right? And so to get the words right, you repeat it to yourself. In the beginning, in the beginning, in the beginning, in the beginning was the Word. In the beginning was the Word, was the Word, and the Word was with God. The Word, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And you start to form this process, and let me tell you guys, it's not easy. It's work. It's something that you have to pour forth effort into. But the effort produces dividends that are unmatched and unparalleled in your life. And so I'll repeat, review, in order to commit these words that are life to memory. 
And today, I want to encourage um, our baptismal candidates. I don't know if um, Natasha and Alec are in the room. They may, they may not be. Okay, that's all right. I wanted to say that, oh, Natasha's there. Good, good to see you. I remember Natasha when she was young. It's true. She did lead in the children's worship, and she sang. You and your brothers were great. I want to encourage Natasha, I want to encourage Alec, all of you actually, with these five truths that God impressed upon me through the act of scripture memorization. These assurances that I learned, because they have been to me a light in the darkness in the past 25 years, well, 27 years since 1991. And they have seen me through dark times, times when I wasn't sure if God was there or I wasn't sure if God wanted me and these, verse would come, these verses would come back to me. The promises of God for my life and for your life. The first one is this. The assurance of salvation. The assurance of salvation. 1 John 5, 11 and 12. It says this. Oh, by the way, I memorized this in the New International Version. You're going to see the, the, the ESV up on screen. 1 John 5 and 11 and 12. And this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life. And this life is in his son. He who has the son has life. He who does not have the son of God does not have life. God has given you salvation, eternal life in his son. Do not forget that. There are moments that they will, there will be darkness in your life. There are moments where you're going to think, have I screwed up so much that this is not for me anymore? But God will bring this to mind and remind you that if you have the Son, then you have life. This is the testimony. This is the truth. This is the foundation. This is the core. This is the attestation. This is the substantiation of the truth of God. That he has given you eternal life if you have his Son. Believe in him. And you will be saved. The assurance of salvation. The next one is the assurance of answered prayer, John 16, 24. Until now, it says, you have not asked for anything in my name. This is Jesus speaking. Until now, you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask, and you will receive, and your joy will be complete. Now, we know that, you know, God isn't a spiritual ATM. He's not, you know, a genie in a bottle. He's not just going to answer all of the prayers that we want. I want a million dollars. I want this. I want that. That's not what God wants to do. He's saying that when you pray and ask for things in my name, when you do something in the name of somebody else, it's not the thing that you want. It's the thing that they want. You're, you represent them, right? And so when you ask for things in Jesus' name, it's the things that Jesus loves, the thing that Jesus cares about, the things that are on his heart, what he wants for you and what he wants for the world. That's the thing you're bringing to him. And so when you pray in Jesus' name, you pray according to his will, God promises you that he will answer that prayer and your joy will be complete. There will be joy in your life because Jesus is there and you ask of those things in his name, that you have assurance that, G, that God will answer your prayers. You have the assurance of victory. The assurance of victory. This, uh, this verse, 1 Corinthians 10, 13, has been one that has come back to me over and over and over and over and over again, embarrassingly, because, um, because of this. No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. But God is faithful. 
He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But if you are tempted, he will provide a way out so that you could stand up under it. How many times have I had to try to stand up to temptation, not knowing if I was strong enough, sometimes not strong enough? But God's promise that he is there, that this temptation I've experienced, I am not alone in it. Even though we have a tempter, the Satan, the devil, who in 1 Peter says that we have an adversary who prowls around like a lion waiting to devour. But when temptation comes, God promises that you are not in it alone, that he is faithful, that he is with you. Indeed, he sent Jesus, his son, to experience the very same temptation so that he, by overcoming, could give you the power to overcome. And so we do, not, we do not go alone. God is in the thick of it with us. And he will provide a way out. He will give you a way to endure that temptation. Be faithful. Be strong. Be courageous. Press on. But ultimately... Because we live in a fallen world, we live in an imperfect world, we try to live, um, we try to follow perfectly, but we are imperfect. And so inevitably we fall, we fail, we sin. And so we need the assurance of forgiveness. The assurance of forgiveness in 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. That assures us that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and he is just to forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we confess our sins, God will forgive. I mean, that's the whole point, right? He, he, he gave his son to die on the cross for us so we could be rendered clean and pure before him, so we could have the righteousness of Christ. And so when we confess, a confession really is this, this, acknowledging the sin for what it is, calling it out for what it is. Don't sugarcoat it. Say, yes, God, it is sin, and it grieves you. It hurts you. And, and experience the distress of it yourself, to know that, that there's a weight that this sin holds. And for you to be also grieved, for you to be also distressed because of the grief it causes God. And then to repent of it. Repentance is simply saying, okay, God, I, I'm not going to go my way any longer. I'm going to go your way. It's a, it's a turning. It's a 180 degree. To say, God, my way is not the way of life. Your way is. And so I'm going to go your way. That is repentance. So to confess is those things. To repent and to say to God, I'm with you. And to say, I'm not going to go there again. By your grace, by your power, I am going to live a godly life in this present age. So when we confess our sins, God promises that he will purify us from, or forgive that sin and purify us from all unrighteousness. This, this idea of being purified is to be made clean, to be made acceptable. And again, that is because of the action of Christ on the cross, his death, his resurrection, and his ascension. And that because of his righteousness, God removes our unrighteousness. And when he looks at us, he sees Christ in our place. 
And so we have this assurance of we have this assurance of forgiveness in 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. And the last one I want to share with you is the assurance of guidance. This is from Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. It says, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart, everything that is in you, everything at the core of your being, just give it over to him. Because God does not leave us to fend for ourselves. He does not leave us to our own devices. He's saying, trust me because I've got you. And this, this line, lean not on your own understanding. Sometimes we read it and it says, when, when you come to the limit of your understanding, then lean on God. That, that's, that's the tendency that we have. When it comes to this, we think, I will do, you know, do your best and let God do the rest. That's not, that's not what the Bible tells us. This verse tells us to lean not on our own understanding, even if we think we have the answers, even when we think we know what the best course of action is. This verse tells us, no, pray, listen to God. Maybe it is the right course of action, what you're thinking, but maybe it's not. Trust in God, lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. Put Christ front and center. Put God where he belongs, in the driver's seat, leading, guiding, directing. That is his promise, that when we trust him with all of our hearts, he will make our paths straight. So we neither deviate to the left, to the right, but we follow him. I'm going to make this one easy for you. I'm going to help you memorize this one, okay? So you can knock that off the list because I expect you to come back with all five next week. I'm going to sing a song for you, all right? Some of you know it. If you know it, sing along with me. If not, I will make an embarrassment of myself. That's fine. All right, this is the way it goes. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Got it? Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him. And he will make your path straight. Got that? All right. That one's for free. The other ones are on CD. They're available in the back for $5 each. So we have these assurances of salvation, of answered prayer, of um, victory, of forgiveness, of guidance. And these are the promises upon which we can stand. Commit them to your hearts. Proverbs 7 says, uh, my son, keep my commandment. Bind them on your fingers, which means to, to take them and not just remember them, but do them. Bind them on your fingers. Write them on the tablet of your heart. So I would encourage all of you, take Bible memorization seriously. It's the ammunition that we need to fight the battles that we find ourselves in every day. Commit those to memory and God will point you. This is life, right? The word of God, the word of life, a light into my path and a lamp unto my feet. Let's pray together. Father, we, uh, we love you. We're grateful just for everything that you are to us. Father, thank you for the testimonies we heard today, you, the power that you have to change and transform lives, um, your Holy Spirit, the work of Jesus. 
Father, we are, we are grateful to be part of that story. And God, you call us um, to live in a way in accordance to your word, in accordance to your spirit, because you want us to live with power. You want us to walk into the world without fear. And so, Lord, to have that is to have the word of life written upon our hearts. So, God, would you convict each and every one of us, Lord, to do that, to begin to, to take your word seriously, to commit it to memory so that we have those truths and those promises, Lord, at hand, at every turn and at every need. In Jesus' name we pray.